Well, welcome everybody. So glad you are with us and a huge shout out um, to everybody that's joining with us right now online, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, or online campus. So glad you're with us. And my favorite people in the world are East Campus that's joining with us right now. Love you guys. So grateful that you're along for the ride. If you haven't already, get those sermon notes out and we are gonna dive right into this series that we're calling It's Complicated, because over the next five weeks, we're gonna look at relationships. And all of us can admit that relationships get complicated. Um, but before we dive into like marriage and parenting, and we're gonna cover all that in this series, um, I just feel like we need to talk um, from the Bible, discover what the Bible says about some issues that we are dealing with as a culture. These are hot button issues, if you will. Um, and so for the next couple of weeks, um, we're going to dive, we're going to dive deep into this. And I brought back um, my handy dandy construction helmet because, you know, oftentimes as a pastor, when you preach certain messages, you get applauded like a hero. And then you preach certain messages and you get pounded like a nail. And this has the potential these next couple of weeks to do just that because we're gonna talk about sexual identity and we're gonna talk together about healthy sexuality, um, what the Bible has to say about these, these things. Um, and kind of if you've, if you've been around for a while and last fall we, we, we kind of went deep into some other cultural issues. Um, before we start into that, I like to kind of just have a moment we're together as a church. So university campus, online, write it in the chat, and East Campus. Um, together in unison, we're gonna have a moment that kind of just prepares our hearts. So I'm gonna say a phrase, and then you're gonna repeat that phrase, that phrase back to me. Everybody ready for it? Okay, here we go. Um, you just, just, just repeat it. Um, and we're gonna start off like this. I'm gonna say, um, I'm thankful, and you're gonna repeat, I'm thankful, great, um, that my pastor... It doesn't tell me what I want to hear, but tells me what I need to hear. Yeah, that's right. So that's where we're going to go these next couple, these next couple of weeks. And it's true. The areas around sexual identity, um, it is complicated. It is complicated. Now, if you're a parent, um, been, you know, either you already have had this talk or you will have the talk. Um, it, you know, the birds and the bees, the, the sex talk. Now, other generations before us, it, it was pretty straightforward. Uh, there's a boy, there's a girl, uh, you do something and then you have a baby. And that's pretty much straightforward. And I know it's awkward to have that conversation with your kids, but um, it's pretty straightforward. These days, We've moved beyond just the birds and, and the bees um, because you might be having that conversation and you might get asked the question, well, what is even a boy? What is even a girl? I'm not sure I'm even a boy. I'm not sure I'm, I'm a girl. We've officially moved beyond the birds and the bees. It is complicated. And there's probably not a week that goes by here at One Life Church where one of our pastors, student pastor, family pastor, or one of our pastors on our staff gets an email, a conversation, and it'll go like this. They'll say, hey, my, my 13-year-old girl in her class, one of her friends now says that she's no longer a girl, she's now a boy. What do I do about that? 
We'll get other emails that will say, hey, my 14-year-old came home and like many kids in her class, she no longer thinks of herself as a girl. She thinks of herself as a boy or, or maybe she's using the phrase, I'm non-binary. And, and what strikes me in those emails is when they'll say, like many girls or many kids in their class. In fact, this week, just in kind of preparation for this message, I talked to a nurse, she's a school nurse at one of our local schools, and she goes, oh, Jared, it, it wouldn't surprise me, this is her, her number, if 25% of junior high kids, mostly girls, but junior high girls, um, aren't struggling with gender identity, struggling whether they're a boy or a girl or using the phrase, I'm non-binary. You know, at, at One Life, we get lots of emails from people that are watching online, live in our area, and they'll say something like this. They'll say, hey, um, I'm transgender. Um, I've I, I, been struggling with this, lots, lots of questions. Uh, hey, would, would One Life even like, welcome me here? Would, would I even be accepted at, at One Life? And the reason why I bring all of that up to you is because in this message series, there's a tendency for, for us to like, look at what the Bible says about these issues, and we will. And there's a tendency for us to say, well, we're right and everybody else is wrong. And, and I want us to move beyond that for just a moment. And I want us to realize that the heart behind this series is not we're right and everybody else is wrong. The heart behind this series is people, like real people, real boys and real girls, real teenagers, real men and women who have these legitimate questions and they are struggling. Real people who are loved by God, who God values, real people who need to find freedom in Jesus Christ. That is what this series is all about. It is about people. And I hope that you'll go on that journey, on that journey with us. Now, I, I don't normally set up a sermon series like this, but I'm gonna give you three ground rules that I'm gonna ask all of us to follow in, in the rooms and online. Three ground rules that we're gonna take as we talk about these um, complicated issues that we're dealing with. So, so write these maybe into the notes just yourself, but here's ground rule number one. I'm gonna ask all of us to follow it. And here it is, um, is that I can't address every objection or situation when it, when it comes to this. You know, as I studied, prepared, listened to lots of podcasts, read some books, articles, it became very clear that I can't preach on everything in 35, in 35 minutes. So you might hear some of this stuff that we're gonna engage with and you can be like, yeah, but, and I would say, yeah, sure. I, I just don't have time to address it. Or, or you might listen to this message and you could say, well, that hasn't been my experience and I would agree with you. Um, I, again, I can't address every objection or situation. Um, but here, here's what I would do. If you wanna go like one step further with this, um, we have group guides that we create um, for small group leaders, our, our life group leaders. Um, the, the first one on this message, there will be a list of all the different resources that I use, different messages that I watch to help prepare for this that will just kind of help you take it one step, one step further. And then there's a group discussion guide on there. Um, if you're in a life group, use that. I think engage with that and go be healthy. Um, if, if you're not, 
you need to, like groups start next week. We'd love for you to get in one. Uh, but even as like a family or as a husband and wife, um, I, I would encourage you to at least walk through some of those group, those group discussions simply because I don't have the time um, to address every objection or, or situation. So that's ground rule number one. Here's ground rule number two. Again, I'm gonna ask all of us to follow these in this series. And simply ground rule number two is it is okay if you disagree. Like, if you disagree with what I'm gonna present, like, you are not going to hurt my feelings, I promise you. Um, and, and I just think it's so unhealthy in the culture in which we live. Because right now it tells us that if you disagree with the other side or a difference of opinion, that that person or that opinion is bad and you should be hostile. Like you should mute them, blow them up on Instagram or Facebook or social media. Like, you, like if you disagree, they're automatically evil. And I just think that's completely unhealthy. Uh, that is not the heart behind, behind this at all. So if you're in the room today um, or online and you would say, hey, I'm a part of the LGBTQ plus community and I'm not sure what I believe about Jesus and the Bible and, and all of this stuff, um, I, I want you to know that I am, I am so glad that you are here. I, I'm honored that, that you would join us for, for this series. And you are welcome here at One Life Church. And we may disagree, but just because we disagree doesn't mean that we can't love one another. And that is the heart. My heart is that I, we, we want God's very best for your life and you are welcome in this place. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna address um, One Life Church. Like if you would say One Life Church, this is my church home. Um, let me just talk to you for just a moment. Um, it, when we look at God's word, when it comes to these cultural issues, there is a tendency, because um, I'm gonna say some things that you're probably gonna agree with and there's a tendency for us to be like, that's right, woo! And we're gonna say, amen. And here's, here's what I'm gonna ask you. Because normally on a weekend, I love that. I love the engagement. It helps me preach better. Um, but here for, for this, this talk today, I'm gonna ask you not to applaud. I'm gonna ask you not to say amen. And here, here's why. Because there's people in the rooms that have difference of opinion and I don't want them to feel ostracized. I don't want them to feel ganged up on. I, I want the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit can do and to touch people right where they are. And I don't want us or our attitude or the way we celebrate something to get in the way of them hearing what I believe will be the truth today. Um, so if you're in the room today, we're so glad you're here. And I don't take any offense if, if you disagree. And I'm hopefully gonna show you lots of respect today. And in return, I would like, I would like the same. And here's, here's the third. Again, this is for all of us. Ground rule number three is our approach is to speak the truth in love, to speak the truth in love. In fact, Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter four. Paul writes, instead, so not what you're doing, <laughs> that's not working, instead do this. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature. Highlight, circle that word, the mature, body of him who is the head, that is Christ Jesus. So Paul's saying, Jesus Christ, he's the head of the church. Our desire as Christians is to become more like him. I actually talked about that last week, regeneration from the inside out. And one of the marks of becoming like Jesus is maturity. And one of the marks of maturity is speaking the truth in love. That's maturity. Here's what immaturity looks like. Immature Christians will say, no, this is the truth. 
And I don't care about my tone. I don't care about my attitude. I don't care about people's feelings. This is the truth. Deal with it. That, that, is, that is immaturity. Also on the other side, immaturity is, well, we're just supposed to love everybody. And we allow love to make us compromise our beliefs, our ideologies, and we disregard truth altogether because aren't we just supposed to love? Love wins. And I'm telling you, Christians, that is immaturity. Mature, immaturity. Maturity in the body of Christ is we speak the truth. We speak the truth in love. And some of you are gonna be like, well, well what? What is truth then? Because we all have lots of different opinions on, on truth. Well, Jesus did this. John chapter one, verse 14, we're gonna follow Jesus and who he, he's who we're supposed to become like. The word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father. He is, he embodies, he is full of grace and he is full of truth. He's not 50% grace and 50% truth. No, he is 100% grace and he's 100% truth. And this is what Jesus says about himself. So this is what we believe here at One Life, One Life Church, what truth is. Jesus answered and said, I am the way, I am the truth and I am the life. And no one comes to the father except through me. So truth is not found in a cultural opinion, in popularity. Truth is not found in a politician or politics. No, no, truth is found in the person of Jesus, of Jesus Christ. And as followers of Jesus, our response is that we don't wanna conform God's word to my opinions. No, I wanna conform my opinions to God's word. That regardless of culture, regardless of how complicated things get, we allow the word of God to conform our thoughts, our beliefs, our ideologies. And then some of you might say, well, well Jared, like, I, I just disagree with you. I don't think that's where truth comes from. I, I, don't, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't really believe in the Bible. And I would just say like, hey, thanks for being honest. At least we know now where we disagree that we have a fundamental difference of where, of where truth is found. And here at One Life Church, we believe truth is found in the person of Jesus that's been revealed to us in God's holy and perfect word. All that should have said, that is the setup for the next two weeks. Really important, need you to wear the preaching, the preaching helmet. Those are the ground rules. I'm gonna ask all of us, all of us to follow it. But today, in, as we talk about gender identity and that specific, specifically, I'm gonna try to answer three questions in this, in this message. And the first one is just, hey, what makes um, a biological male or female? The second is, what does the Bible have to say about that? And then the third is, if you're a parent and maybe you've had a teenager or a kid come in and, and ask questions around this, like, what do you do? I'm gonna to try to answer all three. And again, our heart is to be helpful today um, and, and to guide us in this, in this discussion. So here's the first question, write it in your notes that we're gonna address um, is what makes a biological male or female? What makes a biological male or female? Now, what was surprising to me in, in study is that there is pretty much a, a consensus among scientists and biologists of what this means. 
I was actually surprised by this. There, there's really not much debate. Now, there's always outliers, but for the most part, there is a consensus in the scientific community of what makes a biological male or, or, a, or a female. And here they are, just write them in real quick. Um, scientists would tell you reproduction. So there's different things going on. There's different organs. That's, that's a big difference. Um, external anatomy. There's different body parts. And the third thing that is the difference between a male or a female or what makes a male or a female is the presence or absence of the Y chromosome. The presence or absence of the Y chromosome. And again, for the most part, there is great consensus in the scientific community that this is what makes a male or, or a female. And you would think, oh, that settles it. Science agrees. But in our culture today, that no longer settles anything. Because this is the question that people are asking. They'll say, well, if a person has an incongruence, so I know like I was born with certain body parts and um, I, I look a certain way, but man, the way I feel, like I, I'm, something is off. If a person has an incongruence between their biological self and what we just talked about, reproduction, external anatomy, um, Y chromosome, their biological self, and then their internal sense of self, so their feelings, um, which one determines who they are? Which one determines who they are? I think that's a really interesting question because the, trans, the transgender, like for the most part, that would be a biological male or female who has a feeling or chooses or wants to um, become a, a female or, or, or a male, vice versa. You're, you're changing your, your sex, that's transgender. Non-binary is where you would say, I, I was born a male, born a female, but really, I don't really fit into those categories, which is why Facebook recently had 71 options for people to choose of, of what, your, what your gender is. There's a, like a custom, a custom field now. I, I thought this was so interesting talking to some people. One, one um, researcher said that it wouldn't surprise him because with the agenda that's being pushed down our throats, and which by the way, I'm not gonna talk about the agenda. If you wanna get more details on that, um, several months ago, I preached a sermon series called Culture of Compromise in week one, which is by far the most watched sermon um, series ever in the history of our church. I talk about what's the thing that's happening behind the thing, like why there is an agenda. If you miss that, you need to go online and catch up. But make no mistake, there is an agenda that's being pushed down our throats as a, as a culture. One researcher said it wouldn't surprise him that in the next decade, if 25% of high school students and college students would consider themselves non-binary, meaning they'll just wake up and whatever they feel like being that day, they'll be. And they'll go back and forth. And that's just gonna be the new, the new normal, this non-binary. Non I'm not anything, you can't put me in a box. And it'll say things like, well, the gender, that is what you were assigned at birth. And I always kind of laugh at that, like that, that thought of, you mean to tell me like the doctor is just sitting in the back and the baby comes and he just flips the coin, boy, girl, like, no. There wasn't a gender assignment. It was, you were gender identified. And how do they identify you? From reproduction, external body parts, and the presence or the absence of the Y chromosome. Now, there is a legitimate question that, that parents have. They'll say something like, 
uh, we have a little girl, uh, or maybe she's a teenager, and man, she, like, she's not into like girl things. Um, she loves to wear baggy clothes, she wears her hat on backwards, and she loves playing fantasy football. Like, does that mean she's transgender? Does that mean like, she needs a sex change surgery? Or on the other side, uh, we'll have parents that will say, hey, we have a little boy and man, he's like really into princesses and he's really into pink. Does that mean he's transgender? Does that mean like we need to get a sex change surgery? And the answer to that is no, no. And the reason why I'm so dogmatic by saying no is because there is a gigantic difference between cultural stereotypes and biological identifiers, mandates. So for instance, culture changes. Culture tells us, oh, boys should be into this and girls should be into that. So for instance, in 1918, I came across this this week, the Ladies' Home Journal. So this is like over a hundred years ago. Listen to this. They wrote, pink being a more decided and strong color is more suitable for boys. While blue, which is more delicate and dainty, is prettier for a girl. I mean, think about the gender reveal parties today, right? That would confuse, <laughs> that would confuse everybody. No, it, cultural stereotypes are not um, biological mandates. They're completely different. So if you're a woman here and you'd be like, man, I, I just feel so out of place. Like I, I'm not into the things that other women or other girls my age are, are into. That does not mean that you're transgender. That does not mean that you need a sex change. It simply means that you don't fit into the stereotype box and that is completely okay. In the Bible, um, you have David. In the Old Testament, David cried a lot and he played a harp. Fit that into our cultural stereotypes today. In Judges, on the flip side, you have Deborah, who's like this warrior. And the Bible says that she's leading men into battle with a sword and she's cutting people down. Even in the Bible, people didn't fit into the gender stereotypes. We had to be very careful. Just because you uh, have a difference of opinion, just because you don't meet every box does not mean that you're transgender and it does not mean um, that, that something is wrong with you. It just means you don't fit into the stereotype. Science tells us what makes a biological male or a female is reproduction, external body parts, and the absence or the presence of the Y chromosome. That's what science tells us. But here's the second question I'm gonna to try to answer. Was what does the Bible say about being male and female? So I think science is important, but we need to look at what the Bible says and see if this matches, if this matches up. And here's the argument that's out there. They'll say, well, Jesus never talked about transgender. He never even used the word. So if Jesus didn't use the word, wasn't a thing. Like, why is it a matter for us? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Jesus never used it. Well, there's a couple of reasons why Jesus never used the term transgender. And first is because Jesus was Jewish. And Jesus predominantly ministered in a Jewish culture, in a Jewish society. And in first century, transgender, it wasn't an issue. Now, I'm not saying that there wasn't people that, that were dealing with this or struggling or having questions around this, but in the Jewish culture, this was not an issue. It was already settled because they go back to Genesis chapter one, and this is, I want you to follow along. The word says, God created mankind in his own image. 
Now this word image, it pops up twice in this passage. It's the Greek word sezekel, which simply is, represents like an idol. So back then, all these little G gods, they were invisible, but they would create like a golden calf or these little statues that would be the representation of the invisible God. So God created mankind. So we are now, we're not a statue, we're not gold. Like we are the visible representation of the invisible God in the image of God. So we look like him. He created them, male and female, he created them. So the God of Israel, the God of the Bible, humans, male and female, we are the visible representation of the invisible God. Let me say it this way. Men, males, we do not fully encompass who God is. And females, women, you do not fully encompass who God is. No, it's both humankind, both male and female, together we encompass who God is. And some of you may say, well, Jared, like, that's a human construct. You've been talking about human kind, like that's a human construct. We, we came up with that. Well, if that's the argument, then the very next verse makes zero sense. Because this is, it continues, be fruitful, male and female, be fruitful and increase in number. So, so track the theology with me. Humans were created in the image of God, male and female. Well, what makes a male and a female? Again, reproduction, external anatomy, in the absence or presence of the Y chromosome. Jesus actually has a conversation. And last week I gave you this verse as we were talking about divorce. But Jesus says in Matthew 19, haven't you read Pharisees and Sadducees that at the beginning, he, now he goes back to Genesis, the creator made them, humans, male and female. And he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife and the two will become one flesh. According to Jesus, there is a male and there is a female. And according to Jesus, marriage is between a man and a woman. Now, I want you to know, those aren't my words. Our leadership team didn't sit in an office and come up with this plan. No, no, those are the very words of Jesus. And as followers of Jesus, we have to wrestle with that. As followers of Jesus, we have to align ourselves to the teachings of Jesus. And you might be in the room and you would say, Jared, I get it. I understand like male and female, but, but Pastor Jared, like I have very strong feelings and, and really strong desires. And I mean, the struggle is real. What do I do with that? Hey, simply, I, this is the best I can come up with that not all desires and feelings are meant to be acted upon. I mean, uh, honest moment, if I acted on every feeling and desire that I have, I would make a mess of my life. Not all desires and feelings that we have are meant to be acted upon. My prayer is that every 
boy, every girl, every teenage boy, every teenage girl, every man and woman here at One Life Church, that you would understand your value and how God has uniquely created you and that you're not an accident. And if you would walk into the creative design that he has for your life, I'm telling you, it could change everything for you. I love what David says to God in Psalm 139, for you created me at my inmost being, like you knit me together in my mother's womb. If you wanna know a reason why One Life Church is pro-life and we believe in, in the sanctity of life, it's because of this verse. God's knitting us together in our mother's womb. I, I praise you because I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. And then I love this part, it goes, I know that full well. And here's the truth of our culture today is they don't know that full well. They don't know that they're fearfully and wonderfully made. They don't know that God loves them and has a great plan and purpose for their life. And if they would just submit themselves to the Lordship of Jesus and they would get under his creative design for their life, I mean, it would change, it could change everything. Do you know that full, full well? That's what the Bible says about male and female. And then here's the third question I wanna to try to answer as quickly as I can. And this is real, we get this a lot. And I wanna be really helpful today. But you would say, hey, Jared, I'm, my kids, they've, they've come home and they're talking about transgender and non-binary issues. Like what in the world do I do? Listen to me, look, look, look at me. You love your son and you love your daughter. and you embrace them in the struggle. This is not a moment to turn away. This is a moment to lean, to lean in. Your son or your daughter who may be struggling with this, they should never ever doubt your love for them and they should never ever doubt your loyalty to them as, as their parent. Love your son and love your daughter. And there's this belief out there well, that love and affirmation are the same thing. And I want you to know, love and affirmation, they are not the same thing. They're related, but they're, they're not the same. Because people will say, well, if you love me, then you'll affirm every decision, every belief that I have. And that's simply not true. You don't have to do that. I'll prove it to you. If your son or your daughter was to come home and they were to look at you and say, man, I am so fat. I have got to lose a bunch of weight. And my friend gave me these pills from Costco that are supposed to burn like 500 calories um, just by me sitting here. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on this very unhealthy diet. I'm going to starve myself so I can lose all this weight. I can get to my target. I mean, as a parent, you would love them in that moment. You would actually lean in with them in that moment, but you would not affirm that belief about themselves. You, you can love somebody and not affirm their belief. You can be super inclusive to the person, but that does not mean that you have to be super inclusive to the belief, to the, the doctrine, to the ideology. They are not one and the same. But as a parent, and your kids might be struggling with this, I'm telling you, this is your moment to love them. Will it be easy? No. Will it be difficult? Absolutely. Will it get messy? Yes. But they should never, ever, ever doubt your love for them as their parent. It's your moment to go in the struggle, to embrace them, and to love them. As we close, I want to talk to two people, two groups of people. 
And the first, you would say, Jared, I, I, I would put myself in the LBGTQ, like that's, that's who I am. Like that, and, and you're saying that we're welcome here and you're saying that you love us, but man, then you start talking about males and females and what God says. And after this message, you might be honest and say, I, I don't really feel loved. I don't really feel welcome here. Now, let me, let me address that question by, by, asking, by asking you a question. And here's the question. That at the core of your being, like who you really are, like who is in your soul? I mean, like who are you really? And you might say, well, my gender is my core, my core identity. And maybe you've allowed or we've allowed like culture or an agenda um, to, to put that label on us. Or, or, or maybe um, you would even say, well, I'm putting that label on myself. All of us in the room, we're, we're wearing a shirt. Now you're online, maybe, maybe you're not. Like you're just, you're, you're, you're having the time of your life. Or East Campus, like Pastor DJ, like get, get that campus together. But I'm just assuming that if you're in the rooms, like you're, you're, wearing, you're wearing a shirt. On the back of your shirt, there's a label. And it could be Nike, it could be Lululemon, it could be Banana Republic, it could be Ann Taylor. There is a label on the clothes that, that we're wearing. Who has the right to put the label on your shirt? Well, you know that. The, the person who created it, the person who, who made the shirt can put the label on it. Yeah, yeah. In the same way, the person who created you, the person who knit you together in your mother's womb, they have the right to put the label on you, not culture, not an agenda, not you have to fall in here or there. No, God in heaven, he has the right to label you. And his label for you is you're a child of God, that you were knit together. He has a great plan and purpose for your life, that he loves you. He sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. He has the right to label you. And here's my prayer, is that if you're willing, like let's go on this journey together to figure out what that looks like, to align ourselves to the teachings of Jesus. And it will be messy and we're not gonna get it right all the time. But if you'd let us, we would love, our pastors, our team, we would love to come and walk the journey with you. And here's the second group that I wanna address just real quick. And that would be people in the room. And you would say, man, Jared, I agree with all this. Like, woo, like this is, this, this, finally, like, yes. And I just wanna like applaud you and say like, like way to stand for truth when it's difficult. It doesn't happen much anymore. And allowing the Bible to shape our opinions and our beliefs. Like I'm, as a pastor, I'm, I'm really, really proud of you. But if you're anything like me, the last several years with everything that's shifting in our culture, I mean, if we're not careful, it can make us really, really angry and bitter and mean and hostile. And I wanna remind you what Paul says in Romans chapter two. And if you know anything about the context of Romans chapter two, I mean, what the Roman church is dealing with and what Paul is writing, like it, it's very similar to the issues that we're dealing with in America in 2023. And Paul just quickly reminds us and he goes, hey, just don't forget, it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. You know, never once have I argued anyone into the kingdom of God. 
I haven't gone on a chat board somewhere or responded on a news article or blew somebody up on Facebook and thought that'll get them in. And they respond and they say, oh, would you please tell me more about your Jesus? Like that, that doesn't happen. You, you, know, you know what the influence that we have? It's the kindness of God that draws people to repentance. It's trusting that the Holy Spirit is working working in their life. And I'm just telling you, there, there, there's people that you sit next to at school, at work. There may even be somebody in your home and you've been hostile and you've been rude and you've been mean. And what they need right now is the kindness of God. The kindness of God. I end with this quote and then we'll pray. But the world will never hear our truth if our grace is not felt. And that is who our Jesus is. He is full of grace and he is full of truth. And one life, that's my prayer for us. Yes, we will stand for truth. The Bible is the Bible. But we will love people in such a way where they can't deny our love for Jesus. So right where you are, all over the room, would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes? Both campuses, online, turn off every distraction. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us in this moment. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for anyone and everyone who's walked in the doors to our church at both locations this weekend. Crowds this size, I, I know, God, that there are people who are struggling with these issues. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just come near to them right now. Would you touch them? Would you reveal yourself to them in powerful, powerful ways? Do only what you can do in these moments. I pray for our church, God, that as the world around us gets darker, that this will be our moment to shine bright. Well, that you'll give us boldness and conviction to stand for truth, but we'll do it in such a way that would draw people to yourself. Help us to become more like you, more like Jesus every day. Help us to see what you see. Not problems, but help us to see people who need a savior. You know, with your heads bowed and your eyes still closed, there might be some of you in the room today and you would have an honest moment and you would say, Jared, I'm far from God. You've been going your own way. You've been keeping God at a distance, but you know today that he is speaking to you. He's speaking to you and it's not a voice of condemnation, it's not an angry voice. No, it's a voice of kindness. He's drawing you to himself. And more than anything, he wants a real relationship with you, with the real you. And he's not afraid of your past. So no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, he loves you. He sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. And if you'd receive his grace and your forgiveness today, you can begin a real relationship with him. 
And if that's you, you would say, yep, I need to begin a real relationship with him today. Come on, pray this prayer. Put it in your own words, but mean it in your heart. Say, today, God, I received your grace and your forgiveness. Oh, I'm sorry for going my own way. I'm sorry for keeping you at a distance. But as simply as I know how, I give you my life. Tell him that. Say, come live inside of me, change me. Make me the person you long for me to be. I hold nothing back, God. Come be the Lord of my life. Now, Holy Spirit, I thank you for every person who's praying that prayer. Here at the university campus, online or East Campus, Lord, thank you for saving people today. And now my prayer is that the people of God that will apply the word of God to our life and will forever be changed by it. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.